open our Bibles and go back to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Remind you again, uh, we will not have an evening service tonight, but then starting next week, we'll pick up with our services on Sunday as normal. And we did have our Bible study this morning. Uh, I think many of you were up celebrating late because it was not as well attended as usual. Uh, some of us went to bed uh, before midnight and we missed it. Well, we didn't miss it all. How many of you went to bed before midnight, but the noise kept you up? Okay, that would be me. Yes. Not you, Serena? You slept through it? Oh, my. Give me a dose of that, please. All right, Psalm 90. You know, I have um, been in the ministry now for several decades, and I've had the opportunity, um, anyone that's involved in a church, uh, you get to you, you enter into people's lives. You get to know people. When people are, you know, people that are not part of a church, um, they'll you know they sometimes they'll get to know their neighbors if they have family they'll get to know their family and then of course the workplace they get to know other people that way. Uh, but there is no better intimate fellowship than a local church. And over the years, we've gotten to know people and love people and then see people pass. Walk with them through the different phases of life. And I've seen, I've seen people respond uh, to um, one of those, uh, what do you call them, uh, reality checks. We all, it seems, I've learned this, that when people are suddenly faced with their own mortality. I cannot think of a better reality check than that. Um, and I've seen people, only when they are diagnosed with something or facing their own mortality, where all of a sudden it puts things in perspective. And they reassess their lives. Not, not everybody gets to have that kind of reality check. Sometimes God will... Call a person home without any notice whatsoever. So when I think of New Year's, I think of the fact that God gives us an opportunity to have a reality check before it's forced upon us. You know, it's, a, it's a year, a new year, a new year of beginnings. People will often, uh, if they're going to ever, other than what I said about the reality check, they'll often step back from their life and take stock and, and just look at their lives and say, okay, is this, is this where I want to be in my life? Do I need to make any changes? How can I improve myself? Those are good things. And uh, I heard somebody on the radio the other day say, oh, I don't, do, I don't do New Year's resolutions. And I know a lot of people don't because they just break them. Um, but it's good to step back and evaluate your life. It really is. Um, in fact, I read, uh, you ever hear of Thomas Sowell? He's an older man. Um, but I love this. I saw him post this recently, and I, I like this. He said, my favorite New Year's resolution was to stop trying to reason with unreasonable people. I like that. He says, this has reduced both my correspondence and my blood pressure. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and Plus, notice how he says it. My... My favorite New Year's resolution was to, so this isn't his new one, this is one he apparently has that one wrapped under his belt. So, what's happening in your life? Could it be 
that God is trying to get your attention maybe to get saved, maybe just to rearrange priorities. And so we're going to look, Psalm 90 is one of the greatest psalms where God gives us counsel on how to, how to make the best out of a year. So how can, how can we make the best out of 2023? The answer is right here, from God Himself. In fact, I'm going to give you the, we're going to give you the key verse, the, the answer, before we even look at the bones of how Psalm 90 is worked out. And the answer to how to make the most out of a year is found in verse 12. Psalm 90 is a prayer, or it's called the prayer, but actually uh, there's, there's the first several verses are, you know, lay the groundwork to get to verse 12 where we begin the prayer. And so we're going to go back to some of that. But verse 12 says, So, in other words, in light of what I've just said, so, and here's the prayer, God, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. How can we make the most of 2023? By learning what God is telling us here. In light of the fact that our days are numbered. In fact, again, look at verse 12. Or look before verse 12. The Bible says in verse 10, The days of our years are three score years and ten. That's Old English simply for seventy. So the days of our years are seventy years. And if by reason of strength they be eighty years. And here's the point then. Yet... Despite the fact that most people, generally speaking, we get 70 to 80 years. Yet is their strength, in other words, this is our life. Yet is their strength, labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. That is a challenge to be aware of our own mortality. That you and I have a limited time on this earth. And we would do well. In fact, in light of that, um, verse 12 says, because of that, because our time is limited, because we're given 70, 80 years generally, because of that, Lord, please teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. There is a preacher of old by the name of Arthur Lake. Have you ever heard of him? Arthur Lake was actually one of the King James translators, one of the 50 or so men that translated the King James Version. And he said this, he made this statement back in the 1600s about this passage and about this verse. He said, Oh, happy knowledge by which a man becomes wise, for wisdom is the beauty of a reasonable soul. God created him therewith. In other words, when God created us, He created us with wisdom. But sin hath divorced the soul and wisdom. In other words, when God created us, uh, we were not marred. We are created with wisdom. But sin has divorced or separated the soul and wisdom. So that a sinful man is indeed no better than a fool. So the scripture calleth him. And well it may call him so, seeing all his carriage is vain. In other words, 
you look at most people today, especially people who are lost and without the Lord, and their life is empty. They are pursuing things that are of no value. And, and he goes on in the upshot of his endeavors, but vexation of spirit. That's a summary of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon uh, relates man at his best state, where Solomon lets us know what happens to the person who pursues the best and the most he can get out of life, but he leaves God out of the picture. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. But now listen to what Arthur Lake said. He said, but... Though sin have divorced wisdom and the soul, yet are they not so severed, but they may be reunited. So, you and I are born into sin. We lost that wisdom that would have been given to Adam that we would have had, but it is not, all is not lost. It's not so severed that we cannot reunite wisdom and the soul. And here's, here's how he says, based on this verse. Nothing is more powerful in furthering this union of wisdom in the soul. Nothing is more powerful in furthering this union than this feeling meditation that we are mortal. Here's what he's saying. He's saying nothing can make us wiser. Nothing can restore the the wisdom that God originally intended for us as an awareness of our own mortality. And by the way, mortality simply means to be subject to death. And we're all there. We are all mortal. We are all subject to death. Nothing can make us wiser. And hence the prayer of Moses here. By the way, this is a psalm of Moses. This is the oldest psalm of all the psalms. It was written before any of the other psalms. And it is a psalm of Moses, a great man of God. It is a prayer. And he challenges us to number our days. Lord, teach us to number our days. That's, we, the most I find that people do that is this, this day and the day before yesterday. Isn't that true? The most that people will step back even for a moment and number their days if they're not getting a death sentence or some kind of diagnosis, is New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So let's take advantage of it. Let's see how we can make the most of 2023. That's what I want. Is that what you want to do? Do you want to make the most of 2023? Or are you saying, now, you know what? I had a horrible 2022 and I'm fine if 2023 is bad too. It really doesn't matter to me. I hope you've not given up on life that way. I hope your, di- your desire is, I really want to make the most out of this next year if God gives it to me. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to go through this psalm. Real quickly, I'm going to give you the outline and we'll just work our way through it as much as we can. Uh, we make the most of a year by living in light of eternity. That's his point, Moses' point, verses 4 through 6, and then verse 17. Number two, we make the most of the year by putting God in the picture. That's verses 7 through 9. And then thirdly, we make the most of the year by getting wisdom. And that's the actual prayer that we just read, verses 10 through 14. So first, how can you make the most of 2023? 
How can you make it better than anything in the past? By living in light of eternity. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past. There's the key. When it is past. And as a watch in the night, thou carriest them away as with a flood. By the way, Psalm 90, it is believed, was written, the whole psalm was written uh, from the perspective of Israel and their wilderness wanderings. And so, you know, this is a reference to how God was dealing with Israel when he talks about God's wrath. He's talking about the whole, you know, what's relayed in the scriptures in the Old Testament. There are years of wandering in the wilderness, provoking God, being judged, uh, and then repenting, and then getting his blessing, and then complaining again, that whole cycle. And this psalm seems to be relating that. For a thousand years on thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past as a watch in the night, thou carriest them as away, away as with a flood. They are as a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. He's likening our lives to something that is here and then it's not. Verse 17 He prays, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. In other words, if God is not in our endeavors on this earth, it's all vain. It's all empty. James put it this way, what is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears... And then it's gone. That's our life. Now you might think, man, this is such a bummer of a message, Pastor. You're getting us all depressed. But wait a minute. What is Moses doing here? He wants to give us a reality check. And God is so gracious that he can get our attention without having to allow a serious crisis in our lives. I remember when I was newly saved and we had I just pastored a church for three years in Lancaster and we took, took a summer off. We worked at a, a clothing factory. Uh, I was young then. And one of my co-workers was a, he was 19, I believe, 19-year-old young man. Good-looking kid. He, he had a girlfriend. They had great plans. And then he got a brain tumor. And it was one of the first funerals I would do. He would die soon after Uh, He made a profession of faith before he died. But he might not have. I mean, something like that is just, it is a reality check. And as Arthur, Arthur Lake says, nothing can restore the union of the soul and wisdom than an awareness of our own mortality. I often think, I wonder, because God did that in my life, And I I often wondered, there were two events in my life that may have played the biggest part in the reason I went into the ministry. One was when I was 17 years old. I was working at at a Catholic church, the the church I went to at a summer job. A friend came to help me out and he fell through the roof and was in a a coma. Uh, And we were both standing on the roof together and 
I've always looked at that and I thought that could have been me that fell and um and he just passed away this this past year with during the quarantine uh and, and that that got my attention and I've never forgotten that that could have been me and then uh, after I got saved, the man that led me to the Lord, many of you know John Caputo, he, he got married to a very precious lady named Shelly. And uh, shortly after I got saved, they were in a car accident and she was killed by a drunk driver going the wrong way. And I will never forget visiting John in the hospital and seeing that man, the faith that he had, just lose, lost his precious wife. He wasn't cursing God. He wasn't blaming God. He was cl- claiming. I still remember that day at Chester County Hospital in that room where he had his Bible out. We went, a group of us that went to the Bible study he did at the spa, we went to try and encourage him. And I was scared to death. I'm this young punk of 17 years old, and I've never faced someone with, that just lost a loved one. What do you do? And I, I, was, I remember being walked into that room, fear and trembling, and there's John with the peace of God all over his face. Not that he was happy about it. He was quoting Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good. And that's when I knew this Christianity stuff, this thing I bought into by getting born again, this stuff's for real. And those two things made my own mortality predominant in my life. How about you? Are you aware of your own mortality? Jesus shared a story in Luke 12 and verse 15. He said, A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And then he spoke a parable of the ground of a certain rich man brought forth um, you might be familiar with this, Luke chapter 12. You don't need to turn there, verses 15 through 22. It's the ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully, and he, had, he just had more stuff than he had storage, so he tore down his barns and built bigger barns and just kept accumulating and accumulating. And then he said to himself in verse 19, I said to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then now verse 20 is the the kicker. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Wow. What an amazing thing. Here's someone that was... You could call him wise. In fact, you could look at that, the guy in Proverbs, or this guy could say, I'm just, you know how the Bible says, go to the ant, the ant plans ahead. That's all I'm doing. I'm just being wise. Well, that would have been true if he was accumulating with eternity in mind. Okay, he's going to pass off the scene, wants to take care of his family. This man had no regard for eternity. He was just accumulating so he could live a life of ease. What are your plans? I meet so many young people where it's all about, this is what I'm going to accomplish. And all their goals are temporal. All their goals are of this life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
We look not at the things which are seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen, eternal, they are eternal. They last. They're forever. I have learned, and more recently, uh, well, within the last 12 years maybe, we had a dear, dear lady that was part of our church. Many of you remember Maynard and uh, Janine Bertolet. Janine Bertolet um, was an unusual lady. Uh, in fact, I want to, when I grow up, I want to be like her. Could, you know, I, and I see this already in myself, that the older we get, we tend to just want to complain a lot. Uh, maybe, maybe you break that mold. But Janine Bertolette did that. This lady just smiled all the time and always had pleasant things to say. And I went back to try to, I, I wanted to make sure I could, I believe it was prior to 2012. Maybe it was in 2012, but I remember, I'm not sure if she got diagnosed or if her health was just going downhill, but she sensed or she was told that her time on this earth is not for long. And I will never forget with that foreboding hanging over her that um, she... Uh, called my, she called me to come over and bring my, my daughter. I don't, I don't remember how old she was, but um, she wanted to have a special time with my daughter. I'll never forget this. This was, this was one of those moments where you just, you just never forget it. This was one of those special moments. I took my daughter Brielle over there, and we went, went in. Her, Mr. Bertolette kind of camped next to her. He, he just tended to her every day. And she said to Brielle, she said, come sit here, sit right here. And Brielle sat down. And as an elder statesman matriarch, she, I just, I wish I could have videotaped it. I, I wish it was just, there was something special about this moment. Where here's this elderly, godly Christian woman exhorting this young girl about things that matter. Living for eternity. I don't even remember, I wish I had it on video but as it was happening, I was like, this is, this is another level here. This is so awesome. I mean, it just, I, I, and I, you know, I think my daughter sensed that th- this was a very special thing. And so in light of that, we're thinking, I'm thinking, okay, you know, Mrs. Bertolette Janine's going to be passing on pretty soon. And she hung in there. And then, and then Audrey, I remember, this is why I think it was before 2012, because I remember then Audrey got sick, another lady in our church, and she died in October of 2012. And I remember when she passed, I think I'm getting the right person here. I remember thinking, I would have never thought that, that Mrs. Bertolette would have outlived Audrey. But she did. And then John Wyatt passed, and then Anthony Tennell passed, and then Al Zito passed, and then Lois Rapine passed, Dick Jones passed, even Sarah Cochiardi. There's no way, these are all people that were integral part of our church in one way or another, and there's no way that I would have thought that Mrs. Bertolette would have outlasted them all. She even outlived her husband. 
And she passed away on March 3rd, 2020, one week before, you know what, the thing that remains to be unmentioned. <laughs> March, March 3rd, 2020, she passed away. In fact, you ought to look up, Google her name, put Janine Bertolette uh, obituary, and there is just the most precious picture of her. Uh, I, I looked at it this week just to confirm the date. There was her smile, and it just lifted my spirits. But it reminded me, you know what? We don't know. We don't know when who's going to go. So when, they, when Moses says, Lord, you know, 70 to 80 years, 80 years by strength is what most of us have. Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow. It is soon cut off. We fly away, we're done. Our, our time on this earth is so fleeting. How can we benefit from that? If God would teach us to number our days so that we can apply. And by the way, let's look at this word apply. It is, it's, an, it's a word that um, has 21, 21 different meanings over the years. So in the last 1,500 years since English became a language, uh, this word apply has all different kinds of meanings, and some of them are now obsolete. And in fact, in 1611, uh, it had a different nuance than it would today. That's why most modern translations use a different word. But the idea of uh, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom has the idea of gaining something, of diligently working the faculties to accomplish something. And that's what God is telling us to do with our lives. Teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts, so that we might get wisdom. So folks, the best thing you can do, the best thing I can do for 2023, is to be aware of your own mortality, or as, again, as... As Arthur, Arthur Lake says, Though sin have divorced wisdom in the soul, yet are they not so severed, but they may be reunited. Nothing is more powerful in furthering this union. Nothing is more powerful than getting us wisdom than realizing that we are mortal. People get saved when they become conscious of their own mortality. I did. 17 year, not many 17 year olds really give a lot of attention to, I'm going to die someday and I better be prepared. In fact, there's a lot of people that they, they think, well, I'll do it later. They're like Felix. Remember Felix in the, in the book of Acts? He says, you know what? After he heard the gospel from Paul, he said, you, I'll, I'll consider you at a, at a more convenient time. We don't see any record that there was a convenient time. And, and most people that put it off, unless something gets their attention and gets them thinking, I could die today. Behold, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. So maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you've not been born again. You do not want to leave this earth without that. And I remind you, in fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 23 and verse 5, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. That which is not. Isn't it interesting that the Bible calls riches or money that which is not? 
How does, what does the world call riches and money? The bottom line, right? Think about that. How many times have you heard that? Well, what really matters is the bottom line. In other words, money. Now, that's not the bottom line. That's, it, the Bible says that which is not. Yes, we need to work. We need to be diligent. Money can be a blessing. It's a tool. But it's not the most important thing. most important thing is living for eternity. You know, I've always been fat. There's two things that fascinate me about the scientific world that seems to defy reality. One of them has to do with, the, I forget what they call that, that orientation. Uh, I've used this as, as illustrations. When people, pilots that fly, when they're above the clouds, they can't see. Uh, they have to be instrument trained because they have to learn to read their instrument because sometimes their body will give them the feeling that like their, their plane is spinning out of control and they're really just flying right along. Anybody know what that's called offhand? Spatial orientation, something like that? Anyway, that to me, that fascinates me. How can somebody be convinced that they're in a plane that's nosediving and they're really just cruising right along like that? And many an accident has happened because... Somebody was not depending on their instruments. Instead, they were, they were depending on their senses. Isn't that what we do when you and I live for the temporal? Isn't it? The other thing is mirages. Mirages blow my mind. Uh, what is a mirage? Well, I'm going to give you the scientific. Based on my expertise of mirages in the scientific world, I'm going to read this actually. Mirages, a mirage is an optical effect sometimes seen on the ocean, but more frequently in deserts due to, and I'm kidding, I'm, make, I'm just reading this here, due to reflection of light at the surface common to two layers of air differently heated. Got that? Just solved your question. Where do mirages come from? Well, that's it. The reflected image is seen commonly in an inverted position while the real object may or not be in sight. When the surface is horizontal and the, below the eye, the appearance is that of a sheet of water in which the object is seen reflected. When the reflecting surface is above the eye, the image is seen projected against the sky. In other words, something happens to the way we perceive things based on this phenomena when there's two layers of, of uh, temperatures of air based on the horizon. And listen to some of these recorded experiences that, that have happened that people have re recorded. July 31st, 2006, people that lived in Cleveland could see across Lake Erie and they could see as clear as day buildings and trees that were 50 miles away. That normally you, you, you don't see that. Can you imagine living in Cleveland and looking over Lake Erie and every day you look over and you don't see anything on the other side and then one day you wake up and all of a sudden you see like, it's like, whoa, somebody moved the buildings closer. They really weren't there. It was a mirage that was a reflection playing an optical illusion. During the Crimean War in 1853 to 1856, the whole British fleet was, seen, was once seen inverted at considerable height above the horizon. Can you imagine that? In 1869, the city of Paris 
appeared to distant observers suspended upside down in the sky. Wow. In colonial days, this one, this is amazing. In colonial days, a ship was expected to arrive in New York from England. One afternoon after a violent storm, she was observed floating in the air. Every piece of timber represented so clearly that there was no question of the identity of the vessel. That vision, however, was the last ever seen of her. So they saw a reflection, which was a mirage, which wasn't right where they thought they saw it. And there's all these others. It just amazes me that people can see something that is not really accurately representing reality. And that's exactly what eternity is. People look at the temporal, what is seen, and they think, this is it. This is all there is. And they don't consider that, folks, someday our reality is going to change radically. And you and I are going to live somewhere forever. And if you and I don't make provision for that, if we don't consider that and do what is necessary, first to get saved, make sure your sins are forgiven, make sure you're right with God the Bible way, you'll regret it for all eternity. So, we make the most out of the year, again, by putting things in light of eternity. We look, uh, we also, by putting God in the picture, and then finally we make the most of the year by getting wisdom. Look at Psalm 90, again, verse 10. The days of our year are three score. Score is 20, so three times 20, would, and then added 10, that's 60 plus 10 is 70. Real quick, how to figure that out. If by reason of strength they be four score, four times 20 there, you have 80. So the days of our years are 70 or 80. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. That's your life. That's my life. Again, it is soon cut off and we fly away. Death is staggering. I still to this day cannot believe that the people that have passed in our church have passed. Some of them, you know, you just, you're fellowshipping with someone, you're walking with them through life, and boom, they're gone. And, and you expect to see them. And you know what? It's, it's not going to change that way until we all enter eternity. We're just going to be leaving one another. Probably one at a time, maybe a couple at a time. Now, you don't have a jumbo jet crash right into this building right now. We'd all go to heaven together. Or would you? Would you? Are you prepared? Verse 12, we come to, again, that statement. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice in time to come. Folks, eternity, heaven, and hell are such a serious matter that people dismiss it at their peril. Religion, you know, when, when Jesus came to this earth, his biggest challenge was addressing the religious people of his day, whom he said they are blind leaders of the blind. Here he is, the, the living way, the truth, and the life. And it was religion that was deceiving so many people. I close with this. 
This happened a couple years ago. It made the news and it broke my heart. There was a, uh, a religious leader of one of, the, one of a very large Christian in name denomination. And the, the top leader of that church was attending a, a group, a gathering, and a young boy uh, came up to him with tears in his eyes. His name was Emmanuel, and uh, he spoke privately with this great religious leader. And he, he uh, this religious leader whispered something in his ear, then went back, uh, sent the boy back to this to his sitting down in front of the crowd and everybody wanted to know what the conversation was and he said this little boy in this crowd came up to me and he whispered in my ear and he said this he said a little while ago my father passed away he was a non-believer but he had all four of his children baptized then then the boy said he was a good man and he asked this religious leader is dad in heaven? So this religious leader said, that man did not have the gift of faith. He wasn't a believer. Now right now, that sets something for, for those, those of us that are aware of what the scriptures teach. But then he said, but he had his children baptized. He had a good heart. So then he asked the crowd, do you think Emmanuel's father is in heaven? Or do, he, said, he said it this way. Do you think that God would abandon a father like Emmanuel's who was a good man? And everyone shouted out in one unison, No! And the religious leader said, There, Emmanuel, that is the answer. And folks, multitudes of people are taught that it is your good deeds, whether baptism or other religious ordinances, that will get a person to heaven. But here it's even, it's, it's your sincerity. Here's a man that clearly was not a believer, did not identify as a Christian, didn't go to church, but he had his kids baptized. And, and you notice the wording of that. And folks, so many people have this mentality. Do you think God would abandon a father like Emmanuel's who was a good man? I want to remind you folks that in the context of that very statement, The Bible says there is none good, none righteous. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus made it very clear that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That no man came to the Father but by him. But there is this pernicious, deep-rooted philosophy that says, I've got to do something to earn it. And if you got, you've got to be good. But folks, God doesn't save people that are good. The, the physician, the righteous, are not being called to repentance because there are none righteous. I want to ask you something. If you were to die today, or just this year, and none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you go to heaven. Here's, I want to help you because we don't have the workers we've used to have. But if you need to get born again, you can do it right in that seat. 
right now. I'm going to take a minute. I want to explain how somebody gets saved. And, uh, and you can do it right in your seat. You're not joining a church. We're not going to pass an offering plate around and that's how you get to heaven. It's nothing that you can do. Jesus Christ died for your sins. You have to realize that you are a sinner that could never earn your way to heaven. No amount of good, no amount of religious ordinances or sacraments or anything can make you acceptable with God. There's only one activity that gets us right with God. And that's Jesus Christ's death on the cross. He died on that cross and He paid your sin debt. All you need to do, folks, is understand that you're a sinner that can't save yourself. So you, you realize you need to get saved. And the Bible says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I heard this simple message in 1980. I was six months old. No, I'm kidding. I was older than that. And while sitting on a weight bench, I heard this. And I was told, you can get saved in this spa right now if you just bow your head and acknowledge that you're a sinner and realize Jesus died for you and just call on the Lord. Jesus gave the, power, uh, the example of a, uh, um, two men in a, in a temple. The one was a righteous. The one was a, 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 what do you call it, tax collector. He was so conscious of his own unworthiness to get saved he was not coming to God and say, saying, Lord, look what I've done for you. I sh you should definitely let me into heaven. That was a religious guy. The, the, the publican couldn't even look up to heaven. He was so unworthy. But he just cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have, has that ever been your prayer? It's that simple. Just like that, that publican. You, right now, you can just bow your head before God. You don't need to say it out loud, but you can just cry out to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Please save me. If you've not been saved, would you do that right now? Just close your eyes. You don't even need to close your eyes. God hears your heart. But you acknowledge yourself that you're a sinner and you cry out to God for mercy. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross... He died on that cross paying every iota of your sin. The sin that baptism couldn't cleanse. The sin that communion couldn't cleanse. The sin, sin that no amount of good works could cleanse. Because Jesus paid it all. If you cry out to God right now in just simple faith, say, Lord, save me. That's all it takes. Okay, good, now I can join the church. It's not joining a church. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want to do. If God's been working on your heart, and you prayed today, and you meant that, as much as possible, as much as you know, we would like to know. Just If you would just share that with me, or one of the leaders in the church, or another church member, just say, I prayed that prayer, just so we can rejoice with you. Now, I can guarantee you, if, if we had some people pray here, you did not see a whole bunch of angels appear before you. Because we didn't see it either. And I guarantee you that you did not hear the hallelujah chorus going off. And you might not have felt anything 
Or you might have. Because salvation is not a feeling. Salvation is believing God at his word. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, God saves them. And if you just ask the Lord to save you, you cried out to him because of what Jesus did on Calvary, you just got saved. Not because I say so. Because the Bible says so. We rejoice in that. Father, we pray that some folks from our dear congregation here have just been born again, have just cried out to get saved. And Father, we pray that you'd help them to let us know so we can help them to understand what happened and help them to grow in their newfound faith. But Lord, there is no better way to start 2023 than for someone to get saved. And we pray that that happened today. And we pray that more souls will get saved in 2023 than ever got saved uh, in our 30-year history, if Jesus tarries. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.